Okay, <laughs> welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM, Spotify, and a lot of the other platforms that we are broadcasting under. And uh, it is so great to have you joining us for a Sunday evening Bible study. Uh, many of you uh, tell me that your church no longer has services on Sunday night, and so you use our Sunday night Bible study here at Sunshine USA is a time when you can actually um, have an opportunity to worship the Lord with us through the Bible study. And I'm glad that we can do that. I think it's sad that a growing number of churches are not having services on Sunday night. I think that's a mistake. Uh, back when I was growing up as a young Christian in high school, we had churches every Sunday night. It did not matter if it was a holiday weekend or not. We had church on Sunday night. And I think churches today need to go back to that. You know, we wonder why it is Christians seem to be falling for every false doctrine out there. And it's because they're not grounded in the Word. And they can't be grounded in the Word if Sunday morning is the only time you have church. So just something I'm throwing out there for you to think about. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, we have started a new study in uh, the Bible. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. or should Yeah, we're on chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We did 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2 on our inaugural broadcast in Thessalonians. And now we're into chapter 3. Now here we understand that Paul and Silas have heard that the church at Thessalonica was facing a lot of trials by Satan. And he was afraid that their faith would be shaken. And this would, of course, threaten... Uh, all that they had accomplished for the Lord in Thessalonica. And so even though Paul and Silas were short-handed, they decided to send Timothy to Thessalonica to see what is happening. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, So when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left on our own in Athens. We sent Timothy our brother and fellow worker for God in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in the faith so that none of you would be shaken by these trials for you know that we were we are indeed destined for this now of course he knew that not only were the believers there in Thessalonica facing trials by Satan, but he also knew that the same was true for them and everybody else. You know, Satan will never stop trying to trip us up and mess us up as we try to serve the Lord. He will always do everything he can to hinder us from being of any value to God whatsoever. We can mark it down. Satan is going to do that. Amen? Amen. 
Now, he says, Indeed, when we were there with you, we kept warning you that we, not just you, but we would suffer persecution. And as you know, it has come to pass. Now, I wish that I could say that we will eventually get to where we won't have to worry about persecution. But that will never happen in this lifetime. As long as we are on this earth, and as long as the devil is ruling and reigning upon this earth, then there's going to be no way to avoid persecution. Because the devil is always going to be trying to stir things up. For this reason, we could bear it no longer. I sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter had somehow tempted you and caused our labor to be in vain. And so it probably made this particular church feel good that Paul was worried about them and concerned about them, even to the point of sending Timothy. Even though Timothy was a young man full of energy that Paul and Silas could have used themselves, but instead they dispatched Timothy to Thessalonica so that Timothy can encourage the church there at Thessalonica and so that Timothy can get a pretty good idea about what's going on there. But then we get some good news in verse 6. But just now, he says, Timothy has returned from his visit with the good news about your faith, your love, and the fond memories you have preserved, longing to see us just as we are longing to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we have been reassured about you because of your faith. For now... We can go on living as long as you are standing firm in the Lord. Now, this, of course, lets us know that Paul was not simply interested in seeing how many people he could reach for the Lord. He wanted them to prosper spiritually. He wanted them to grow spiritually, as well as to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God. And um, Paul says, now we can go on living as long as you are standing firm in the Lord. Now, that, of course, is good advice for us. We need to stand firm in the Lord. I'm afraid too many of us are wavering when it comes to our stand for the Lord. We're not standing firm, we're wavering. Now, I believe, as I've said before, some of this is the church's fault because we're not having church often enough. It used to be in the past, churches looked for opportunities to add services to the weekly schedule, not take them away. Now it seems more and more pastors are eager to see how many church services they could do away with. Under the guise of giving the family more family time. Well, let me tell you something, folks. If you think for one moment 
Families are going to have more time together just because the church ain't meeting. You are sadly mistaken. You are fooling yourselves. Because you know, as well as I know, families today, and this is part of the problem, families are going off in a hundred different directions. And at least you have a shot of keeping the family together if you have them at church. Amen? Amen. Now, Paul goes on to say in verse 9, How can we adequately thank God for you in return for our great joy over you in his presence? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, basically, there were two reasons why Paul didn't go. I mean, first of all, Paul was a busy man. There was always something for Paul to do for the Lord. And secondly, especially as it pertains to the church at Thessalonica, Paul was afraid that his presence for a prolonged period in Thessalonica would mean more persecution for the believers at Thessalonica. And that's the one thing he wanted them to avoid. And so that's a couple of reasons right there. Um, He says in verse 11, Now, may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with your love one for another and for everyone else, just as our love for you overflows, so that he may establish your hearts in blamelessness and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. So what we see here is an example of just how much love Paul had for the church at Thessalonica, how he desired to be with them just as they desired for him to be with them. And I'm sure that he saw the believers there at Thessalonica as part of the evidence that he was indeed and in fact doing a good job for the Lord. Now, let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, I think you're going to find, once again, there's some good stuff here in chapter 4. And he starts off talking about living to please God. Now, of course, we know that that's ultimately what it's all about for you and I as believers living to please the Lord. Finally, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus to live in a way that is pleasing to God. In other words, don't be satisfied with the fact that you have a so-called fire insurance policy, but live to please Jesus. Live in a way that is pleasing to God. You need to know that God indeed and in fact cares about 
how you live, and whether or not you obey him. Amen. So he says, uh, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus to live in a way that is pleasing to God, just as you have received from us. This is, exact, uh, this is how you already live, so you should do so all the more. For you know the instructions that we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For it is God's will that you should be holy that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Each of you must know how to control your own body, in holiness and in honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles, who do not know God. And no one should ever violate or exploit his brother in this regard, because the Lord will avenge all such acts as we already have told you and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. Anyone then who rejects this command does not reject man, but God, the very one who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love, you do not need anyone to write to you because you have yourselves been taught by God to love one another. And you are indeed showing his love to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to excel all the more and to aspire to live quietly, to attend to your own manners, and to work with your own hands as we have instructed you. Now here, of course, Paul is beginning, in one sense of the word, to open up a can of worms. Because apparently at this point, it's already evident that some in Thessalonica have become lazy, and they have uh, not attended to their own matters, and so he's getting on to them early, you might say. He says, work with your own hands. One of the things we still need to learn in this country, work is honorable. Work is actually a good four-letter word. I mean, it really is. It's a great four-letter word. And there's a sense of accomplishment that comes with work that you can't get anywhere else. You don't find it in a government handout. Now, by the way, you might find this very interesting. And I don't make political statements all that often on this program. And really, even now, I'm not really fully intending it, intending it as a political statement. But really, the interesting thing is, if you study the Bible... Taking care of the poor is not the job of government. It's the job of the church. It is the job of the church. Part of the problem in our church today, we stubbornly refuse to do that. You know, someone in the church, if they have a need, you know what the pastor does? 
he tells them about all the different government agencies out there that might help them. But instead, we, the church, we ought to be seeing what we can do to help these people. I think most churches are in a position so that they can do a far better job of taking care of the poor than the government can. Amen. Now, Paul will devote the rest of this chapter to the subject of the rapture. He says, Brothers, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Now, I'm glad that this particular translation words it that way because the word sleep here actually means death. Some translations actually use just the word sleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who are without hope. Now, Paul doesn't necessarily here teach that it's wrong to grieve at a funeral. But we don't need to grieve as those who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him or have died in him. By the word of the Lord, we declare to you that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those that have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, one thing that Paul does here, he talks about the rapture. Now, uh, most of you may or may not be aware, there is in one sense of the word two second comings of the Lord Jesus Christ that are coming. Two second comings. One is the rapture, which I believe Paul is describing here, and the other one is the one that comes about seven years later at the end of the tribulation period. Now, what happens at the rapture is God calls his church out of the world. That's why all of us who are Christians will be called up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, as Paul indicates, this ought to be a comfortable teaching, and it ought to give us comfort. I know one person in particular, every time I talk to them about the second coming of Christ, they get scared. But I said, you know, the thing is, this is not a topic that should scare you. This is not a topic that should scare you. This is a topic that should comfort you in the event that you truly know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Of course, now on the other hand, if you didn't know Jesus as your Savior, yeah, you would have every right to be scared. Because we understand the rapture could take place tonight. The rapture could take place overnight, even before the sun comes up tomorrow morning. Amen?
Amen. Now, next time, we will be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where Paul will get a little bit deeper into the study of eschatology. He'll be talking about the day of the Lord. And that'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which is also the final chapter in 1 Thessalonians. And then, of course, from there we go on to 2 Thessalonians. Amen. So definitely, if you haven't done so already, I want you to go ahead and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, as well as any of the other chapters in Thessalonians that you have not read yet. I think you will find that to be very important. Okay, now, the next thing I want you to do is to pray for this ministry. Uh, we are definitely hopeful to continue um, this ministry as we go through the summer. And um, I want you to be praying for me in particular. The next week will be, in some respects, a very stressful week for me because it will be a week of transition. I will be moving into an assisted living facility. And um, obviously I'm a little bit apprehensive about it. It's going to be different. It's going to be a different way of life than what I know now. But I do think it will be better because it will help me to live better and people will be there to help me do things that I cannot do on my own. And I think that'll be good. Amen? Amen. Amen. But I do want you to be praying for me. This is a, a bold new chapter in my life. And I want to assure you, in spite of this, the Sunshine USA Internet Ministry will continue. I will continue teaching the Bible on Sunshine USA. Now, it, it may be that I don't do quite as many broadcasts in the week ahead because of this transition. But I will do everything I can to see to it that we be get back on a regular schedule just as quickly as possible. But the big thing here is to keep me in your prayers that the Lord will help me to do those things that I need to do for him. Um, I, w I want to be totally sold out for Jesus. I know that. <laughs> I want to do everything I can for the Lord Jesus while I'm still alive. And so far, I would say for the past year or two, I have actually been preaching more than ever before, even though technically I'm retired. Amen. So just pray for me that God will be with me in a definite way in the days and weeks ahead. And uh, tell others about this ministry. Get them to tune in. We're going to be doing some new things also as the summer progresses. One of the things I want to do is start emailing out a Bible study guide. This uh, Bible study guide 
think will be very helpful to you. And it will help you keep up with the different Bible studies that we're doing. We actually have two Bible study sessions each day, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. And this will be both an Old Testament and New Testament Bible study guide that I'm going to be emailing to those that request it. And it will also contain valuable information if you would like to start your own small group or Bible study group or maybe a life group at your church, that would be great. And we'll send you some study notes that will help you set up a really good group. Well, once again, it's time for me to say goodbye. God bless you. And I'll see you again next time on Sunshine USA.